welcome to the PC Movie Club podcast. I'm Aaron and I'm here with my mother Lisa. Hello. And on this episode we are going to talk about uh, uh, 2016 British drama movie I, Daniel Blake by the director Ken Loach. And, um, and to start it off, like uh, it's a movie about... Uh, about this uh, older guy, British carpenter, in living in Newcastle, and he wants to, uh, yeah, he, so he's a carpenter, and then he gets uh, injured, he gets a stroke, and he has to, he cannot work anymore, so he has to go to, uh, to get support from the government, and it's basically a story about how absurd his whole, the whole bureaucratical, uh, system is and that he's like going into this endless Cats 22 situation where it's just it's impossible for him to get any kind of real humane help from the system and he it's also a, a story about a relationship between him and a single mother woman who has two uh, kids, two boys no, a girl and a boy and she has a similar kind of uh, struggle and situation with uh, getting support from the government and it's also impossible for her to actually get any help and everything and um, so that's basically it and it's it's a very political movie it's a very it's a lot about this it's it's a very critical movie about the healthcare system the the in in Britain and 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 how the director also wants to say like the in the whole Europe basically and um, my my initial experience with the movie was I went to see it in the theaters here, and um, when I, just coincidentally when I went to see it, I was in that day I was quite in a bad mood, and <laughs> I yeah, and I I sat through the film, and I I I, I kind of felt like maybe the, it would be a nice movie for me to see because I feel I kind of felt in the same kind of struggle situation uh, it was a difficult moment and there was a lot of problems in everyday life and everything sort of like this so I was really pissed off and angry and I, I went to see the film and it, it's initially like and the result of the movie of watching it I became really irritated and it was a really frustrating <laughs> movie yeah because um, because it's 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 an okay story and it's a, everything is all right but it's towards the end like towards the, how the movie kind of uh, starts developing the story it becomes really preachy about the subject you know like yeah. it, it's like it's it 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 likes to really behave as this uh, preacher on a on a on a stage shouting it and being very activistic uh, like an activist uh, movie and trying to change the politics and bring the discussion on and everything and it's just too too plain forward it's too it's it's really um says it out loud the message uh, and for me yeah. it became really irritating like how much it wants to hammer its things into your head like this is how i think it is and and i i kind of felt a little bit offended in a way of how it was treated, the subject. Ah, uh, you mean you mean that it's underestimating your intelligence? Yeah, in a way, and 
and it's simplifying it in a way for me to understand what he wants to say or, or something and 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 I just kind of felt like it was in the end it became the because of the direction and the style of how it uh, explained how it tells the story it just felt feels in the end uh, fake more more fake than real you know for me yeah you and, you know I just want to say in the between ask you if it's uh, you remember that you didn't like this Michael Moore's Fahrenheit 9-11 yeah you yeah know, <laughs> we really got pissed off and angry and like, you talked about it in the same way as you're talking now This so maybe that's a similar thing and the strange here is that Ken Loach I read about his interview so he he says that he he appreciates that film very much <laughs> even if people don't like it he says that people don't like it and he sees it's false for, but but he says that it's good that it was made because it made a good uh, effect on the on the world, you no, know, on the discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does this sound similar what you're talking about? Yeah, also also similar in the sense that I feel like these two movies are the, the one of the only times that I really strongly disagreed with Cannes Awards with the Cannes. Uh, results yeah. uh, but they were both nominated as the main with the main prize the Palme d'Or d'Or yeah yeah and and for me Weidenheim Michael Moore's Weidenheim is more uh, it feels a very strongly a propaganda movie rather than a real documentary it, yeah, it has this a, one... it's a very strong subjective point of view to the situation and I like I, and I'd say like I <laughs> I kind of agree with most of the things that they say in the documentary. Like, I agree that George Bush was an idiot and stuff like that, whatever. You know, you said that it, the, that it was very very important image to show that George W. Bush, how he reacts to the situation and everything like this, that the whole world is kind of calibrated us into understanding what 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 happened with Warren and stuff like that, but to me it was um, I have a very complicated relation with Michael Moore's uh, documentaries, and I feel like he he's too manipulative in a way of how he uh, directs the audience emotions and the but facts a... and the truth in his so-called like you know documentaries. Yeah. It's for me it's it's very dangerous the way he creates documentaries. But do you see that it happens in a lot of documentaries, even wonderful documentaries, fine ones? It's the way it's put together, it manipulates somehow people anyway. Anyway. Uh, Yeah, of course, movies are a manipulative form. Um, But I think intellectually, uh, I think there can be also an interesting discussion about the subject. Like, yeah, I like, yeah, for example, like I feel like, yeah, like for example, the act of killing is more of a discussion about it, and it's it gives all the tools to the subject to create what they like, and the movie maker themselves um, only observe 
the result of what happens in a way. It's a, it's a, but there's a large uh, amount of things which happen in the background which we never see in any document. Of course, but we it, never know. But it's a very different way of doing the documentary than Michael Moore does documentaries. Like he, he, I, for me, the way I see Michael Moore documentaries is that he uh, walks in a very thin line of between of creating documentary in a more narrative storytelling way where he just wants to, yeah, like he wants to make you believe of the way he looks at the world and the way, like, that, you know, in a, in a sense that it's almost becomes fictional. You know mm-hmm. that it's more like a dramatization of of a documentary. You know. So it's, here he makes this Ken Loach makes it uh, his way. Yeah, the, well, the movie, like, yeah, the I, movie. I, I don't, I don't say that. Like, the, there's a difference between Ken Loach and Michael Moore's documentary. Like, they are very different movies. I don't. Uh, I think the only similarity is that I strongly disagree with these movies, and I kind of feel offended in a way of watching this and in a in a in a in a movie watching experience in in a way but um uh offense is a strong word but um i i just there's this word that i cannot find really that that describes the same that that throughout the i i feel like throughout the end it 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 becomes more hollow in in some sense, because of its one wanting to be so uh, self-explanatory and 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 uh, hard uh, hammering of the of the message to the audience. So, uh, like 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 for example, there's a literal speech in the end where they have to actually say what the movie was about in the end, and I felt like it was. It made it so weak. I think the movie. It's very hard for me to to try to explain. Ah, uh, yeah, so yeah. I, I kind I will, of I, understand. Yeah, it's just it's just my my feeling. And and the other other big problem with the movie was for me is was the the child actors and and some other side character actors. Like I I, I think the two main actors were very cool. Very co- uh, good, but the other actors in the movie were very, yeah, very weak and very, didn't give a strong, uh, uh, strong performance, and it really distracted me. There were uh-huh. moments where were supposed to be very heartwarming and emotional, and and had a very dramatic message. Uh, for example, there's this uh, moment where there, this girl says to the man that. You once helped us, then how come you don't let us help you? Yeah, I remember and, that. And it's supposed to be very emotional, and but to me, just because of the child actor being so bad, it distracted me. It made it very oh. weak scene, and and I couldn't really understand why why I, why everybody likes it so much in the end. That because and, the words are, are wonderful. Yeah, but the way you 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 direct it can be made it not so good, you know. Aha! Uh-huh. Did so, you find anything positive? What did you find positive about this movie? So okay, but so yeah, th- that was my initial reaction. Like uh, we went on with it 
to to for too long already but it was my initial reaction was this very irritation and i really was getting really emotional at the end like oh just can't stand this film like oh and the but then afterwards when there were very good things about the film like the like i said the main actors were very strong uh performances and especially there's this one scene with the with the single mother that that involves the um uh she goes to this uh, food line you know to get yeah. free food donations and stuff and that's really i was really uh getting uh very emotional and it, it's really striking scene uh and the and the story is good and I agree with the message in the end. I agree that the system doesn't work and and that I have felt very much the same way about the bureaucratical system. Like I live in Belgium and here it's crazy. It's insane how how strict they are with protocols and these these uh, semantics, you know, and uh but it left just the way it was directed. It left me really with a really bad feeling. And then, after some very many weeks and many uh, time afterwards, I started to the way like the the things that was left with me after the movie, not the not the experience itself, but the conceptual things, you know, the story and the moments. It, yeah. It it left me very strong image and and in a sense that that. Um, for example, I've been starting to think more and more about older generation and about how um, how the world kind of, in a way, lets the older generation to uh, on their own. In a way yeah. of of how when the when the when the times change and start like. Uh, times become more and more modern and we for example are now entering to a more and more digitalized world we are we really don't in the end care about how we incorporate or onboard the older generation of users and this is actually a really big problem and we seem to really don't care about it like yeah like and it's really this film really shows the 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 most wonderful thing about I think about this film and why I'm actually even though I was irritated about the film I was actually recommending it even after the movie to people to go and see because I wanted people to see how it feels for old people to live in this kind of system and that's the movie's best thing is that it shows this perspective of an older person trying to make it into the world. And it also, um, why it struck me so heavily was because you, uh, I, I, I noticed that you went through a very similar thing actually recently. I don't know if you want to yes. talk about it that much. Yeah, I, I but went, I, yeah. But I think it's very, like, it was very important for me to connect more and more with this movie because I actually saw you um going through this very absurd thing <laughs> with your with your pank uh, do you want yeah. to talk about it ah yes I, I i i can say something about that i felt very much with this film 
exactly because of that reason. It's uh, there are many things in this film. It's one point is this this um, internet, which uh, the older generation is not coping with, mm-hmm. and the other is then the old men alone living. Uh, well, no, there was no relatives. There was not. It was chosen probably not to show anybody he was alone. Daniel Blake. Yeah. And uh, so on. And other things, the connection between people, the equality and so on. And friendship. It, it had a lot of uh, subjects in this film. There was many. But this, I want to say that this Daniel Blake, in fact, he was 59 years old in this film. So he's not into my, probably to young people that's old. But for me that's not old. He's a working age person. He's, he's still capable of work if he was not sick. Yeah, yeah. He's not so old. Mm. But, and he was, it's, it is the question also about the people who are not working. He's working with his hands in a handcraft business. He can make a house, he said. He's a carpenter. He can make a house, but he can't use a computer. So there are people, there's a genera- the generation, but I mean uh, people who are not working with with uh, computers mm. ever at all. They're working by hand. That's what I meant, is that it's, a, it's the previous generation of people, because like... Yeah, we have been talking it a lot with um, with people, and like it's, I mean, like it's a it's a previous generation of people who have not yet like. Uh, the way I grew up was on the time when computers became household, more and more household uh, uh, item, object. Yeah. For example, yeah. so I I was on the transition period, like I was a young person growing up on the transition period where I could start learning as a younger age about computers and how digital uh, objects worked, like the world. And the next generation from us, like our my children, will like, and how, like, uh, for example, uh, Joel and Ariella, like mm. uh, my brother's ch- children, they, they actually, like, are born into a fully integrated digital age. Yeah. So they, so they, when they are like already uh, half a month or one year old, they are already using tablets and touch screens mm. and all of these things. They know how to use all of this virtual reality. Yeah. They so, even sell them for under one year old. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so, so what I what I meant is that it's not really about old age, but it's about the mm. generation that has not yet like they have to learn computers. In an older age. Yes. So I remember when I was a young mother, when you were, you and your brother were small. We, I once I was with my sister visiting her relatives, and there were those in the house, a two-year-old boy, and um, in those times they were, we didn't have the computers. But we had uh, videos. That, that was a new thing. Like VHS? 
Yeah. So this little boy, we wanted to see a film when we were in that family. So we didn't know how to use the video, the VH, uh, what it's called, VHS. Yes. Yeah. So we didn't we didn't know how to put it in the machine. My me and my sister and this uh, other person, and we let this little boy do it for us, uh, two years old, <laughs> and he could do it easily. I don't I don't forget that. It's that's and we were not helpless people. We had been people who are educated, work all our lives, built houses, lived comfortably, and intelligent people. But we were helpless with that video. Yeah. And he, he was not. He was not afraid of it. So that's what happened. And uh, now it's happening with to the old people, the older generation, as you said, that they are, they are, they have been destroyed their ability to to take care of their own business their own banking, their own to be independent. They, it's been destroyed for them with this new system. It should co- incorporate the old people. They should find ways to do that. Mm-hmm. And not to say that you have to learn it or die. So yeah, exactly. I don't want to get too, uh, too serious about this. <laughs> this <laughs> because I was, as you said, I was really desperate. About the getting, no, I, in the, oh, earlier I got in paper the banking codes, numbers yeah. and the code, yeah, the codes and everything. I went very nicely with it and I was proud and, of myself. And like, and I, yeah. yeah. And then suddenly they say that now this year we are, during this year we are finishing this paper. Postal, post, post. Office seems to be ending completely soon, also, and yeah. that's another thing to discuss. What does it yeah. mean? So, so I was getting, I got a, almost a nervous breakdown, really. Yeah. To, and uh, you don't know until you are in it and you in yourself, you don't know how it feels not to be able to cope your own life. Yeah. And it's, Desperate feeling. So I got help from my uh, from my son, other son. Only did it for me. He did it for me. But yeah, I, I could have learned it. I know I'm an intelligent person. I could have learned it, but he he um, uh, offered to do it. So I let my brains rest. But that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I just want to say that. You know, it and it wasn't even easy for him. It took like three days or something to get a simple app on iPhone to where you can get the codes because it's like moves into this code app. Or no, something. but it and, yes, and, 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 and it was actually, uh, sorry. But I have to pro, I have to uh, defend only from this because it was the question of that I didn't have, it was, I was in fault. I didn't have the secret code for my iPhone. So we had to complete the big procedure with the iPhone business to get it and to get it back. And they thought we are hackers and ooh la la. Yeah, but, but, but that's what I, what I, what I, what I want, what I mean is that it's not uh, to say that 
that Oli couldn't handle it. I'm saying that yeah, the system is so absurd and complicated yeah. that it, it for, for a simple thing as an app to download your iPhone, it, it became like a huge Catch-22 situation, you know, just like yeah, in the movie, yeah. you know? So it's not even easy for the for the younger generation, you know, who supposed yeah, to handle all this stuff. And so I don't, what I don't understand here in this, in this thing is that the, all these nerds, so-called nerds who are now when I have the app, uh, the, this thing, it's very easy. It's the simplest thing in the world to use. So why don't they find out the ways to help the trans- transition and concentrate on that? Because for them, they know the result. So they think, oh, this is easy. And then they do it. Like, mm. I, I can imagine. I, it's wonderful to now. But why don't they concentrate more on the transition? Yeah, exactly. And that's that's yeah, my that's my criticism about it is that they I feel like in this world we really leave this older generation on their own and we don't like because I I I, I am reading like um, daily through my work I'm reading a lot about user interface design and about digital products uh, developing and. You know, very modern ways of like how how we are integrating this virtual uh, world into our lives and stuff. But nobody really talks about older generation. It's all about indeed how you are to- saying that yeah, the so-called nerds that it's easy for them. We are all the time talking about how how can we make it easier for the younger people and for our generation of people. But we are leaving the, the other generation behind and. Yeah, they always call it, they always call it that this is easy. This is, we are making life easier. And the older people, the the generation think with the horror that this is easy. It's the most difficult (laughs) thing in the world. Soon we are, and they are all afraid like me to, to soon I'm in the street. Like, like Daniel Blake. Soon I don't really, because of this, I can't cope and I'm on the street and I, my, me respectable, a, f- a person with means, with money, means, and everything. Soon, I have no place to live. Yeah, and, and I die in the gutter. <laughs> yeah, and uh, like like Charles Dickens, you know, all over again, Charles Dickens, who was they did, who didn't even dream about computers in those times, but they people lived in gutters there too. So yeah. I think you know, uh, you want to say more about this, Daniel Blake? Yourself? No, no. I I just want to uh, conclude that this is really the reason what why, why, what we are now talking about. This is really the reason why it it's a very good movie and a movie to go and see. It's because it really encapsulates this feeling of of Daniel because Daniel Blake is really in a in a mess with the system. Helpless. You yeah. feel helpless, and you have never in your life before felt helpless. Think about if you are 59 year old and you've never been helpless, you've been proud. Proud of yourself that you can handle your life, you can earn money, you can live comfortably, you can be a happy person. You have your arranged your life. And suddenly you are helpless. Yeah. It's, it's, that's what he wants to say, this film. But 
but uh, that's why it's interesting with this, getting more and more interesting with the old people. We shouldn't forget the old people. Everybody's going to get old and don't young, don't think that there will be no other surprising new thing. Mm. Of course there will be for yeah. the young people in their time. So, yeah, but in the between to make this uh, something else, I want to say, did you hear that uh, John Hurt died? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I read. Yeah, he was 77 and even, you know, everybody thinks of him as, I, I'm, I'm sure everybody thinks of him as fondly. He's one of the fondly loved actors. So you remember this scenes of dying he has done in the there's a <laughs> yeah he basically died in all of his movies or something <laughs> so now he died really yeah it's one of more dying and I I have seen from him very bad performances you know like he's not a really good actor at all but he's very I like him very much to see in all the films I enjoy it. So it doesn't matter sometimes if you don't know. Or maybe he isn't something I haven't seen a good actor. So I don't know. But you then, know, yeah. What? Yeah? You think that uh, he was in the Elephant Man something? It, uh, Didn't he get an Oscar from it? Yeah. No, he, he... I think he was good in that movie. Yeah, he got the Oscar. He, he didn't get Oscar, but he was... Uh, uh, to be contestant for it, and also the Midnight Express. Uh-oh. So then, also Emmanuel Riva died. Really? Yeah, on Friday. Oh, I didn't she know. She was, yeah, she was eighty-nine. Oh no, she was the the actress in Amour, in Michael Haneke's Amour, where she was Oscar. Uh, I didn't get Oscar, then you think about mm. that she didn't get, she was marvelous. So, and she was in Hiroshima, Mon Amour, wonderful one. Yeah. So she died also, they two of them died like in the same time. Okay. Well. So we, we, dear memories from them. Yeah. So they are the old people who were acting also old people in many of the films when we talk about <coughs> older generation now. Mm. Yeah. But then I wanted to to say something about this uh, um, Daniel Blake as a, a lone living man in this film. Yeah. We, so for some reason, this Ken Loach and the scriptwriter <coughs> did, didn't uh, include any of his relatives, so he must have had somebody, no? Just, uh, nobody. He was shown alone. And yeah, maybe he was alone. Yeah, possible. maybe he was alone, and there was, we get to be understood, understand that he's alone. And so he has this wife, he had a wife, he's a widow, and, um, we can, we see many things from Daniel Blake if you think about it in the back to the backwards that he even cleared the death of his life a wife he he got to he arranged his life afterwards and he was living nicely along with that even he had gone he was a grown up person 
He was not a childish person, that's what I want to say. He, he was a person who can cope with difficulties, real difficulties in life. And then to be ripped off with, from his uh, honor, his humanity with this computer business, it's cruel. Yeah. Yeah. So then I happened to see in the same time around to <clears throat> when I saw Daniel Blake, I saw this Japanese film Ikiru from Akira Kurosawa. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw it in my childhood already, when I was young, because it was done in 1952. Yeah, it's quite a yeah. similar movie. Yeah, it's a similar movie without computers. <laughs> yeah, just about <laughs> the bureaucratic, which is Daniel Blake mainly, is, is bureaucratic movie. Yeah, so it was funny to see that he was... This, he, I was thinking when I was... Uh, a child, and I was, I thought his name is Ikiru, because it's a Japanese word, and I had no idea, but now I learned that it means to live in Japanese. So it's not his name. His name was, was Kanji Watanabe in the movie. His, this man. So, in Finnish they call this uh, film Ikiru uh, Tuomittu. Uh, destined yeah. like he's uh, destined to die if already in the beginning of the film he's destined to die he has cancer <laughs> so in in uh, Daniel Blake is not he uh, has only only a heart attack so that he can't work but he lives so he's, he's not yeah. dying so anyway this this one is going to die and he has not lived uh, he's lived so all his life, and he's sitting there with the mountains of papers and putting stamps on them and so on, instead of a computer. So easily it could have been a computer nowadays to show the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so he learns to live during that movie, and it's two hours, two and a half hours movie. Yeah. Which it's captivating. You need every minute of that movie. It's included so you can see, follow the thing and his life. And it's really good. And and it's black and white even. You know, it's it's not a good quality when you see the copy. Yeah. But but doesn't matter. And he has there in that movie a young woman who a co-worker who is very happy and goes out with him to have fun, not sexual, but just a friend. And mm. uh, she is, she shows him <coughs> that she's living. She's living and then he starts to learn from her. And uh, in Daniel Blake, there also is a young woman, this uh, Kate, Katie, yeah. who shows him things and whom they are together. And then I saw, by chance, I saw also Umberto D. Umberto D. Yeah, what's that? It's an Italian movie from 1952 also, as Ikiru, same time, black yeah. and white, from Vittorio De Sica mm. direction. And uh, it's called, in Finnish, it's called Umberto D., The Prisoner of Life. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, he mm. has another problem again. It's three Three old men who have different problems each, but similar similar way of uh, handling it, and it's and similar 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 things in them. So 
This Umberto Dei is in fact Umberto Domenico Ferrari. It's a man yeah. who, after the war, he lives alone. Also, no, no relatives. He's not married. There's nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine the three movies, one from Japan and one from Italy, and this, this is this neorealism in the, you know, in the Japanese is neorealism and this Italian. After the war, uh, they are all men who are dressed well and they have all nicely, they have food and they have everything. Umberto Dei is, is losing his apartment, that's his problem. Yeah. He has no way to live and he's scared to death that he has to go to beg on the street and live on the street with his suitcase. He has all his property then in suitcase. Mm. Very expensive shirts and coats and things. Mm. And a dog. And he has a dog. <laughs> so the, the, the dog is the main, per, main person <laughs> in this film, in fact. Because through the dog, he learns to live in the end. Without apartment, without anything. I, I see it a very positive event. Really positive. Wonderful it was. And also, Ikiri was positive, even the man is uh, deathly ill. Mm. He, he lives in the end, he finds the way what he is living. And, but Daniel Blake doesn't. He has a different, uh, he has a very sorrowful. <laughs> Life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just like gets worse and worse. Yeah, so and also for the and yeah, and for the single mother also like things get worse and worse and stuff like that. And I think it, I think it, in the sense the movie wants to show you how how horrible it can be, you know, without trying to be a good film movie or something. In the modern days, maybe it's something to. But nowadays it gets more and more harsh, even more realistic than the neorealism or something, whatever. But I have to say also that Umberto D, he has also a young woman there helping him. Oh, in really? the, yeah, in the <laughs> pension, he li- he's living in the pension where he has lived 30 years of his life already during the war and everything. Yeah. And he, he lives in a pension, but the woman who owns it wants to throw him out when he can't pay the rent. So there's a girl living there, under 20-something. She's in trouble, really big trouble with pregnancy and everything, but she's happy and knows how to live and doesn't care at all Hmm. about what's happening to her, like something bad happening to her. No, she's enjoying life. Hmm. So she also has an influence on Umberto. Umberto Day. They all have. Isn't it funny that they are all similar? Yes. Yeah. It's a very weird collection. Have you seen Umberto Day? No. I, I've seen Ikiro, but I haven't seen Umberto Day. Yeah, they, they, all these three, I think, are worth to see very much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really would like to see them again, like Ikiro again and then Umberto Day, what you mentioned. Yeah. And then I, I, by chance, I found this critic, Roger Ebert, which now I find everybody knows him, so you, really you. everybody, but I found him only now. <laughs> and I, I read, he, he writes wonderful, wonderful about this, Ikiru, for instance, and other films he, he 
goes deep into them and understands them deeply. So he said that that every great film should see, seem new every time you see it. So uh, that's what I think, you know. Hmm. That I I think so too. That there's a, if there's a good film, I see it in different way every time. Mm. Yeah. I can see again Umberto D and find something else in it, or, or Ikiru, or or this Daniel Blake will stay. I'm sure it will stay. Yeah. Whatever you say, it will stay. <laughs> I well, I think in 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 that sense, it it for sure it will stay. Like I think it's a very good portrayal of that perspective of of of. A man who really cannot understand why he has to follow this kind of system and who works more with common sense and stuff like that. And so, yeah, for sure. So I wonder why this uh, Ken Loach, when he was interviewed, he said the best film for him is The Bicycle Thief from Victoria Desica. Ah, no wonder. <laughs> Yeah, Sounds but it logical. is a different story. Yeah, of course, there are similarities with the desperation of, of survival and everything. And mm. selling all your stuff. They sold the sheets, you remember? In The Bicycle Thief, they sold the wedding sheets and, yeah, yeah. and, and get money. Ken Loach wants to be very political and wants to use the movie gender, like... A format as a way to bring discussion to political issues. It's a very yeah, clearly he has this agenda with that. Think of it as like I feel like when I listen to him talk and the interview, it's more like he's a politician who creates his opinions through making a movie, more or something. And I feel like maybe in that sense he feels very related to the neorealism in Bicycle Thief and the way it also tried to like talk about real sociological issues and, yeah. no, and, and political issues in, in Italy. He's very heavy kind, kind of, it sounds heavy, you know, when you, and so it's like boring, you don't want to go because it's not a funny thing and easy to see and so on, so nobody would like to maybe, it's, <laughs> it's and everybody was surprised in Cannes, why did he win the Golden Palm? Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's why. Well, well, what I read about it because it's a heavy film. It's a really sad business. It's like yeah, I can think of more heavier films. Like I, I didn't, I didn't think it was that heavy for me. But, but maybe for you. The subject of old age is not very uh, appealing, and the subject of poorness, poor poorness, it's not appealing really. Yeah, maybe it was because it wasn't that strong direction for me. Like, it just didn't. It wasn't that good film in terms of the drama for me. So I didn't feel the heaviness of it. But conceptually, yes. But in fact, when you see Daniel Blake, there's a lot of humor in it. Also in Ikiru and and this uh, this Umberto D. There's a lot of uh, funny things which you laugh at and it's a kind the kind of films where you laugh and cry in the same time yeah and, and also like yeah like it, it was heavy in, in the sense that like because it really yeah 
it really reminded me of your situation with the bank, for example, and it really made it has this uh, huge empathy towards that people who cannot uh, survive through this this integration of digitalization of of the modern world, and I I really feel very strongly with that that that's very heavy i think when you really start thinking about that real issue and and also the single mother and her struggles were very heavy i think and and especially that scene with her in the food line was really it's not fair at all what to happen to them not fair yeah yeah the bonus is so I think it's it's uh, all the people who are working to trying to get the uh, ideas out to people understand what to do with the poor poorness the poverty yeah. to make it better is is very uh, good you now all the writers in for starting from Charles Dickens and so on it's it's wonderful because People close up when you mention poverty. No interest. <laughs> no interest anymore. It's cool. a too scary thing. It's scary for everybody. Oh. Yeah. People are not... You know, I read a lot of books about this subject because it's, uh, it interests me. So I've read uh, Charles Dickens' books since I was a child. Yeah. You remember I told the story about this? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. The can... club, the English talking club in the school. Yeah, what I, happened? What was the story about? It was in high school, and we had English. In those times, it was uh, special to have uh, languages. You could choose things. So I was eager to learn English, of course. So I went to the English club for talking speech. What do you call it? Discussions. Mm, so there okay. was a woman from London there, and uh, <laughs> and uh, she we we were there for ten people or so, yeah. And all the brave ones who go in there, and she she, she um, asked that um, who has read Charles Dickens, and I said I lift my hand. Miller said yes, yes, I have read, I've read them all, I love them. <laughs> and she said to me what. You love them? Those? Those you love? <laughs> she was probably forced to read them in her, who knows, in her uh, school in London. Yeah. You know? So boring things. Oliver <laughs> Twist and Great Expectations and Pickwick Papers and horrible thick books with endless poverty. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I loved them. I got it from my father already. He loved it. And then uh, Steve was recommending other, no, she was recommending something new and uh, modern books and things. More what exciting. We could read. More, More, yeah, yeah, exciting, that's the word. Yeah. But for me, Charles Dickens is exciting still. Yeah, yeah, they should yeah. be, yeah. Yeah, I even read uh, in the Finnish uh, poverty uh, Poverty writer, this Mina Kant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's from uh, the town where I'm born. She's from Kuopio. And in 1800, between 1800 to 1900, between there, she's over 100 years ago, 
Mm. And still today she's actual, she's uh, relevant. Yeah, in what way? What do you mean? All her ideas go, mm. you know, the poverty ideas, they, they don't, how we have to do something about it, they don't get old. And, and, they, and she was like an activist? Uh, yeah, she was very activist and they hated her because of women who, you know, in those times, I don't know if this is uh, interesting people, but for me this is really something. In those times the law didn't uh, say that the woman could own her own property. Mm. Man owned everything. Yeah. Even you had money, the man owned it and uh, the husband. So, so anyway, she was a widow. The husband <laughs> died and she had seven children. Whoa. She was pregnant with the seventh child when her husband died. And so she started to, then after that, she started to write plays and books and be active in in the newspapers and uh, gatherings and talk. And she said, we'll never give up. We will never give up. We are talking about this strongly, and I don't care what people say about me. That that the woman should be quiet and so on. And she supported her family by keeping a shop. She had a big shop. Yeah. And my mother used to take me. The shop was till then, after her death. Even my mother used to take me to that shop. It's just it was. Uh, yeah, like a supermarket nowadays. Yeah. You could get everything from there. Mm. We. Yeah, uh, so... Minakun so supermarket. Uh, yeah, so she has even a flag uh, day today in Finland. She's yeah. For, for It's called Equality Day. Mm. And because of her, they changed the law that the woman could own her property wow. in Finland. Yeah, so very strong woman. Yeah, so now they are, now only, after 100 years, they are learning in in the world to know Minna Kant. When the other, you know, for instance, a Belgic woman yeah. got, got interested. She by by accident she read a study of Finnish literature and found out that there is such a person as Minna Kant and start to read all these these books. So she learned Finnish to translate the books, and so you can now read them in French. Yeah. In Belgium, France, and so on. I think she's called Anne Cor- Cornet, this woman. But, you know, inspired, people can be inspired by. As, didn't you feel in that I, Daniel Blake, uh, you, you know, the feeling for this man? Said you. Yeah, 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 for sure. For him. Yeah, it's all questions of feelings. How do we, how do we, Feel. Also, this Robert, Roger Ebert. <laughs> Ro- Roger Ebert, what's his name? He he tell, he said that all about movies is feeling. How you feel? You like the movie which you feel? How you feel? No. Yeah. It's not. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about it. Well, well, it's fine. I'm all the time conflicted in my head because I didn't feel so good while I was watching the movie. It's kind of like, you know, it's it's a hard thing for me, like because I didn't like watching the movie a lot, but I like. But afterwards, thinking about the movie, there's a lot of things that it's it's nice to think about, and it 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 works better after after some digestion and stuff like that. 
and and yeah, in that sense, I I really don't like a movie that has like, yeah, like I I don't like what? to go to a movie and feel really irritated and then be like, oh, that was a great movie. Like in that sense, like in Robert Ebert's way of saying, I would rather be felt good while watching the movie, but. I don't give to the movie anything. It's just my personal thing that I did. It wasn't really a movie for me. That's what he meant, this Ebert, that it's a personal thing. It's according to your feeling what you yeah. feel about the movie. And that's allowed. That's what's supposed to be. But you, you think that it was, uh, it was terrible to look at this Ikiru, which is, I really, it was so sad, so sad all the time. But then what the, what the meanings came out of it afterwards when you look at it and you realize it's great, it's great. Because it 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 was so sad to see him in the beginning. Also Umberto Day was a pitiful person. But in the end he was happily dancing with that dog. And um, it completely changed. And in with Kurosawa movies it they they are so long usually that it can be a hard thing to go through his movies like remember we were watching this a uh, long time ago this um, the the red beard punaparta yeah yeah you know the, yeah. it was i think the last movie he made with uh, mifune and mm. mifune has this big uh, like this beard and he's a doctor and it's supposed to be a red beard but it's black and white so it doesn't matter in the end. <laughs> I don't know what's up with that. But um and we were watching it together and um and it just went on and on and on. Like the, it just didn't end. Like we were starting to laugh because in the <laughs> movie it started to get like seasons. Like now it's winter, now it's summer, now it's spring, and it's just and again winter and like four times maybe it, it was winter in the movie. It's like oh my god, it takes four years the whole story, or something, you know. Yeah. And so it can be really a part to watch a Kurosawa movie. And I I remember Ikiro was it's it's a long movie and it's very yeah. quiet and very slow and stuff. And like uh, mostly we see his sad face, his horribly <laughs> sad face and the eyes and his. He's just suffering, and near is his head. So, yeah. and two and a half hours. But in the end, you realize this is great. This is something you have experienced something <laughs> special. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I think you have to also be in the right mindset to watch movies. Like, yeah, yeah. some some movies are not good in the right moment. Like, maybe I have liked Daniel Blake if I my mood and my attitude would have been different when I was watching it. So it's yeah. it's it's kind of a magic, you know, like or a miracle. Let's say that uh, you watch the movie in the in the exact right moment when you need to see that movie, and then you are like. Because, for example, like another like stories that I I I be I for years I wanted to go into Tarkovsky's movies like yeah. Solaris and Stalker <laughs> and The Sacrifice and all these movies and mm. and I I used to have the Stalker on VHS or something and I I always started watching it but then like I think half an hour I was like too bored I was I was really falling asleep like. Such a yeah. boring movie. It's like nothing happens in it, and it's three hours yeah. or something. And I just never could go through it. And 
and I just I thought it was an impossible thing. But then uh, I remember in Helsinki there was this uh, movie theater Orion. It's still uh, or- there. It's, Orion. Yeah, Orion, and it's it's a really a great theater. They are playing old movies, and they are really amazing. And it's art, the art deco decoration. Yeah, old. the building itself is amazing and beautiful, and it's really bring you to this cinema feeling when you go there and everything. And they had the Tarkovsky team uh, period season were showing his movies and I I went to see his films and I was really in a, in a state of mind back then that I kind of I kind of wanted to escape the world, you know, like I wanted to for me, uh, it was a period when I was all the time going to the cinema and I was just sitting there and being happy that I don't have to really, you know, I, I can escape yeah. reality for a while. And I can, it was very therapy, therapeutic uh, moment for me to see a movie. And I, I happened to see Tarkovsky movies just then. I think all of them probably like, or most of them. And for me, they, they were the most, ther- most therapeutic movies at, of that time. They were very long and very slow and very meditative and and I just I really transported into that movie universe into that that realm and and I was so they are happy. very good also. yeah and they are very good and I could really appreciate them really with their own merit with their own yeah. energy and their own way and also it helps when you are in the cinema that you cannot just pause it you cannot you know, go on with your own daily life and stuff. You have to sit there and go through it and everything. And I really remember that it, I, like, if I would watch Tarkovsky movies, like, normally at home or with somebody or something, I don't know if it would have that same energy and stuff. But when I was, like, sitting there, there's this one scene in one Tarkovsky movie, uh, which happens in Italy. I don't remember the the name of it, but there's this scene where this guy... Um, uh, it's an absurd scene. Like I don't. It's it's a very yeah. symbolic and stuff. But he he walks with this. Uh, uh, there's this pool, like an empty pool, and the guy yeah. wants to walk from one side to the other with a candle in his hand, yeah. uh, so that the candle will not blow away. Yeah. And it's this extremely long take. It, I th- I think it takes maybe 50 minutes or something. <laughs> this, Darkovsky is just in real yeah, life, yeah. in real time, panoramic, uh, following this guy, walking extremely slowly and covering his hand with a candle from the wind. And we are watching this candle. If mm-hmm. if the candle will blow, and it's it's really hard. Like for me, it was very heartbreaking. I it, it's still one of the most powerful scenes that I have ever seen. You mean that movie. it was not hard to see it? It no. was heartbreaking to see Yeah, it was heartbreaking. I, I was fixated on every single second of that scene. Yeah, that's what happens I, to me. Tarkovsky yeah, I was obsessed too. in that you really, candle. Yeah, you really need that time, all that time to get the complete picture. And that was yeah. happens in Ikiru too. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. all those long films, you need it, and I don't agree that you should take out, like some say, that you take ten minutes out. Of, no, we have to see his terrible face <laughs> endlessly and endlessly. <laughs> get the same happens with the books, many books. You shouldn't 
give up in the beginning the first pages. You should read it, the complete thing, to see what the writer means yeah. or the director means. Yeah, but true. in in I, Daniel Blake, happened to me this uh, feeling business was that afterwards when I went by bus home, it, the the tears started to stream on my face. I just and I had uh, I normally don't do do that. I I don't publicly cry. Yeah. No? But I didn't care. It was, I was so impressed with Daniel Blake and I felt his his destiny deeply. I was Daniel Blake, you know. I was <laughs> I was this Katie. I was in this film and the the tears we fell all the way in the the bus road home, and I didn't care. I felt good to cry, to yeah. get it out, the feelings, to be... I was together with the feelings, you know, uh, one, yeah. like you say. So, you know what, what this is... Um, Daniel Blake reminded me also of Arrival. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah, and Patterson. I happened to see Arrival and Patterson. I don't know if it, if it is fit to your your plans that I say, mention it here now. But, you know, it's all about connection. It's about understanding. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, so, so, of course, all the films are yeah. more like this. So, it, you can, co you connect it, and that's the deepest, deepest feeling, the meaning of all this, is arrival, is the connection with the, you have to have connection between all the people. You can't drop out the babies or the old ones. Or, or, no. You, humanity. And then yeah. in Patterson you have the same thing. No, like uh, it's the, <clears throat> the, it's the connection between the people. What yeah. you are in every day is a deep, we have to talk separately about it. But yeah. I have to mention it now <laughs> to, just to, <laughs> to see that we have these new directors and new films. They deal with the same things as this, those neorealists and old, in old times. Yeah. And it, it, because it's all about people, about humanity. And the dogs. Wonderful that dog. I, I'm so happy <laughs> with this dog in Umberto today. Who's <laughs> the best actor. You know that there is, there is, uh, Oscars for dogs also. <laughs> what? Really? Yeah, I remember, I think it was Oscars. They give Oscars for, film from this, <laughs> this artist. You remember this film artist who got Oscar? Yeah. yeah it was yeah, a black yeah. and white yeah. old film. So there was a dog in it. So he got the dog Oscar that <laughs> and so on. So, so this is the, the, the dog of all the dogs is in Umberto De. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful dog. Really, really. And the man loves him. That's his connection with the humanity. What you call humanity? <laughs> is the dog human or not? <laughs> in this film, the dog was human. He taught him to live. So anyway, I, I, I want to, you don't mind I mention this? No. Arrival in Patterson? In Patterson there was also a dog. Yes, yes. <laughs> and very, good, very good actor, actually. Very good dog. The, yeah, because this 
we have to do it separately. But do you remember this? This Patterson was sitting on the sofa after the dog ate his, all this, made the mess, and he normally don't speak to the dog so much, or anybody so much at all. But he said to the dog in one thing, and I thought, why this director made this? I thought that he said to the dog, I really don't like you. Yeah. Yeah. Why did he? I thought it was a fault, but you know, I've been thinking about it since then. And I, I, it's a lot to think about. I, he didn't, the director didn't put it in vain. He put it by purpose there, this, this yeah. sentence. So must and, and I, I and really I, don't like it. And I hope that Ken Loach also wasn't in vain and that he put everything in I, Daniel Blake that he meant to put there. And it was for a reason. This, <laughs> the so, year before, or the two years before that it says this uh, the the measure of a man which the man is a similar situation but yeah. not in, in computers but also a man he had a family and so on <laughs> no dog <laughs> yeah and it's this very similar movie like yeah we, we actually didn't talk about that but like we it, there are two very similar movies and I as a comparison like it's a good way I kind of like Measure of a Man better. I think it's it 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 respected me a little bit more as an audience. I I definitely like Measure of a Man better. It's one of my favorite films of all times. Okay, really. well, really good. And Daniel Blake, I wouldn't choose in that, but I to my to my poverty subject, which I'm dealing with. Hmm. In, in my life, like reading and studying, it, it's a perfect thing. No? Yeah, it's so a perfect I, film I hope, for you. I, I hope I'm not too serious in this business. No, 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 no. No, no, it's a, no I want to be light, but how can be light with this kind of, of a, of a <laughs> destiny? Destiny! <laughs> These destinies of people, you want to help them, you want to help them. Yeah, it's, it's hard in real life. Stuff. Yeah, and it's just one man in Newcastle in England. The world is full all over, from Japan to... True. <laughs> I start to preach now. Do you want to know, into the to, now we are in the end about, no? Yes. Yeah, so do you want to know the sentence he wrote on the wall? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, I, I didn't I, get it actually. It, is, it was impossible to catch it in the, in the movie. It's a too, partly shown only and too quick. So you couldn't catch it, but it's very, very good sentence, I think. Mm. It's the one of the things. So I found it out. I took effort and I found it out. He wrote there with the spray bottle that I, Daniel Blake, Demand my appeal date and change the shite music on the phone. <laughs> it was this Vivaldi four seasons. And, and he wrote shite. I think in England the English people would understand this. He mm. didn't write shit. He wrote shite. <laughs> Maybe they say it that way. Yes. It's a, it's a British uh, slang or dialect. Yeah, they talk very funny. <laughs> to me, very funny, but wonderful. It's, a, it's a charming, in fact. Not funny, but charming. Probably, probably we talk very funny. English. Yeah, yeah, we <laughs> very funny. But Who are we to say? People can 
understand it. But it can be charming too, Finnish way of English. So we one movie we still mention <laughs> to the to the end, the one film which is connecting this to this very uh, tightly is Charlie Chaplin's Gold Rush. Ah yeah. Where he ate the shoes. <laughs> which will never never stop to to be enjoyable scene in the world never and why those people went to gold rush for the same reason the poverty yeah but you, you said that people don't like the poverty something so. yeah so why do they like Charlie Chaplin and gold rush it's done genius but genius. Charlie Chaplin is the only movie from all this movie connections that we talked about which is a comedy and a slapstick yeah it's a, it, there's yeah. a there's a sense of escapism and yeah there is yeah, yeah sure. it's mm. not so confronting even though Chap- Chaplin kind quite geniusly incorporated dramatic themes also in, mm. in the same place that it, yeah. it forces you to still think and to feel and and you all so. the time can laugh about yeah. his funniness and be, he's miserable in those those, uh, this, uh, what you call him, this character is. Yeah. The, what is this character? The baker? No? Is it? You mean the Trump? Trump. He's called Trump? Yeah. Or Trump? I... Trump. Oh, Trump. <laughs> 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 it's so hard. Oh, it's so hard to... So hard. But this will be in the world now, part of the world. Yeah. So. For some time now. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, now we can uh, say goodbye to everybody and uh, who knows who knows that uh, <laughs> what will come out of this. <laughs> uh, you, you, how many points did you give? I, maybe I shouldn't even ask because it's it's obvious. No, I, I gave five points, five stars. Uh, I gave it uh, worth it. It's wonderful. Uh, Wonderful what it gave me. Yeah. Of my feelings. I give it my feelings. It's. Mm. And I, I, I gave it uh, 8 out of 10. Uh, which was right after I saw it. Which was like, even though I was irritated and it was like, um, not the movie for me, I still recognized the qualities in it and that it's really and I really highly recommend people to see it I, I want people to go and see the movie I want I want to I want to discuss about it yeah I want to to to, to feel, I want to hear what people think about that How, what kind of reaction do they have do they feel like it's uh, realistic is it like manipulated like Michael Moore like documentary that is more like manipulated reality where it's just what he wants to see in the world or is it really how it is I would like to see how people like uh, experience it so yeah 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 that's it the best thing is to the discussions yeah communication Uh, and you when you see that I when I saw it I get things from it which I will keep with me forever. They don't go away. That's the uh, sign of a good movie. Yeah, and, and movies that can change the world, I think, are movies that 
like it is possible for movies to change the world and I think it is movies that can live also outside of the cinema that can bring a discussion and communicate and uh, uh, and that's only one way <laughs> yeah know, it's there's many ways to change the world I think <laughs> yeah. yeah it was really wonderful actor this actor, actor who played Daniel ah, you know that he was a comedian I afterwards read about it, and he, he was kind of a rolling person. He was yeah. rolling around and having fun. I think he was wonderful in this. And I think you di- you said that you didn't like him so much. No, I think he was okay. It was yeah, more the direction and so the some of the side actors that weren't that strong. And yeah, that's it. Yeah. He made a good work, and it's it's one type of a man, like like the other ones. They are their own types, everybody. So he put himself in it. He was the type. Yeah. A very positive person until they hit him hard. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, every, thank you, everybody, and uh, we say goodbye. Uh, goodbye. See you next time. See you next time. PC Movie Club was hosted and produced by me, Aaron Belts, together with my mother Lisa. To learn more about our episodes, you can go to pcmovieclub.com and look up more content about our podcast. Like, for example, a detailed timeline discussed in its episodes and a summarized list for other movies we mentioned, in case something caught your ear but you missed the title. Not to forget, of course, our amazing unique cover illustrations for every podcast done by either me or my mother. The music used in the opening theme and now in the background was done by Javier Suarez, who offers original music to be used in all kind of audio-visual projects under the Creative Commons license. Find out more at his website, betterwithmusic.com. Also, it would be super awesome if you would take some time to rate us on iTunes. And thanks again for listening.